Come on, lift those hands to the Lord as we anticipate Him opening our understanding, speaking to us in such a way that it transforms and changes us, preparing us to receive. You know, the Lord has to prepare us to receive what he's giving because when he gives to us from heaven we have to have we have to be heavenly minded now father in Jesus name we're before you in expectation of the miracle that you spoke we're before you because when you feed us we become like you and we do the things you've commanded us to do I praise you for this, Lord. Make your word as food, as meat to us. Make your word as bread to us. Feed us, fill us, and send us in Jesus' name. Clap your hands and say amen, Father. Bless the name of the Lord. Bless the name of the Lord. I'm so glad to see you. Those of you that are online, oh, I wish you could be with us in person. I would love to be able to see you. Um, but you know what? Thank God you're able to be online. And those of you that are, are other, other countries that are joining us, God bless you. It's going to be a marvelous day. Those of you that have the elements before you, some form of bread and fruit of the vine, uh, get that ready because we're going, to, we're going to do something today that the Lord Jesus, not only did he command us to do it, but he expected us to do it and have high anticipation when we did it. We're going to eat from the table of the Lord today. Is that all right? Amen. You may have your seats. As you, as you were taking your seats, would you notice the, the table last week, last month, the Lord began to talk to me about what it means to come to the table. And I spoke to you about every family, every household should have a table. For that table is the place of authority, the place of provision. That table is the place of conversation. That table is the place of judgment. That table is the place of provision. And when the Bible speaks about the table, it's very interesting that there's little difference between the table the table that held the Ark of the Covenant, the table that Jesus created. I don't know how many of you saw Mel Gibson's rendition, The Passion. Anybody see it? I remember in the early parts of the movie, they depict Jesus as a carpenter and he's, he's fashioning a table and his mother doesn't know what it is. And he takes it, turns it right side up, he puts it down, says, what do you do? She said, what do you do with it? <laughs> He said, you sit at it. She said, I don't know if that's going to go over. Isn't that amazing? Jesus kind of knew what was happening, right? How many of you got a table in your house? Yes, probably several. Tables are very, very powerful. And if you, if you go through the scripture and look at tables, you'll see some amazing things. At this table today, on this table, this place of provision, this place of judgment, this place, my Lord, of authority, this place where we get answers. On this table is something I want you to see because I don't know how many of you, I'm, can you still see me okay? I don't know how many of you like grapes. Is there anyone here that likes grapes? I don't know what it is. Somebody called them nature's candy. It's so amazing. They are so, I mean, how do you describe a grape? 
Have you ever thought about how you describe a grape? <laughs> my grandson said, delicious. <laughs> so most of the time when he comes to my house, he wants to know if I have any grapes. I mean, they're, would, you, would you forgive me? Mm. <laughs> it's not polite to eat in public, they say, unless everybody else is eating. We will. What's wonderful about grapes is they are not what they seem. Actually, it's, um, they were made for something else. Definitely, definitely to consume. But my question is, how do you get from here to here. Because actually these are made, they can be consumed like they are, but if you take a different kind of care of them, you will get I understand how sensitive the subject of wine and alcohol is in our, cult in our culture, in our country, because the abuse of it is rampant. But you should know that in the scripture, it speaks often of wine. In fact, if you did a study on wine, it would blow your mind. From the Old Testament into, right through into the New, it's there in abundance. Even Jesus centers his speaking around wine. He even tells a parable of a, of, a, of, a, of a nobleman who went and bought himself a field and in that field he had a vineyard and built a wine press and built a trough and, and hired it out because he knew it would make money. And he's making an illustration about the kingdom of God. All through the New Testament, he speaks about wine. It's an amazing thing. Ask yourself a question. How do you get from grapes, which are wonderful, to, and this today is not wine, it's grape juice. There's a great debate in the Bible. It's a great debate among theologians whether it was actually fermented or not. I think it's kind of, kind of a mute discussion since in those days if you're going to keep it for any time at all it would ferment hello now I know many of you I know none of you I know none of you touched the bottle but for those of you that that might have something in your refrigerator already today um, and isn't it amazing that that the type of wine you get is commiserate to the type of grapes that it comes from Grapes grow on vines. Am I right? Yes. If you want to hear a powerful, powerful word from Jesus, read John chapter 15, and he will give you the blessings of the vine. It is amazing. And he talks about you and me. He compares you and I to this. I was so tempted to preach that to you today. I believe I'll save it because I have something that I believe is more pressing. I must tell you today, my brothers, my sisters, all of you that are joining us online, it is an amazing thing how God paints his picture and, and tells his story in a way we can see it, get it, receive it, and be changed by it.
The table itself is a story and one of the most telling of the stories is the cup that Jesus has in his hand. He says, take this cup and share it among yourselves. All of you drink from it. For it is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. And it's the first time in the New Testament you see blood and wine mentioned. See, blood and wine, they actually roll together in this whole scenario and story of what happens from grapes to the cup. And Jesus pulls it all together when he tells his disciples, come, every one of you, they are all reclined, and, he's, and he, he does this with them all the time. But this time, he changes it by the words he speaks. And he said, take this bread. He broke it. And he gave it to each of them. And he said, this cup, take it. It's amazing when you read the four gospels, three of them. And three of them, he, he's very descriptive. He said, give this, take it. He gives it to them. And he says this, this is really awesome. Share it among yourselves. Wow. He wanted everyone in that circle to partake. They understood the words covenant. Unfortunately today, we have to reteach them we educate ourselves as to what covenant is. We know that for very few people stay married today. If they understood what covenant was, it would be very different. And Jesus said, this is, the, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. Now, the two, two things I want you to understand about grapes and about wine presses. In fact, I thought somebody was playing some. That was wonderful. I thought somebody was playing. Did you hear some notes? Oh, it was a phone. Oh, bless you. I was going to say, play on, play on. The two things you need to understand about wine and grapes. If you eat this grape like it is, I mean, you take it, you pick it, you wash it, wash it off from the, from, the, from the chemicals that keep the bugs from eating them. You wash it off and you can consume it. You can put it in the refrigerator. They get, I like them cold and crunchy. It's a marvelous thing. And it's good. And that's as, that's as much as it lasts. That's it. Or you could do something to grapes, which is amazing. You could take the grape... I'm not sure quite exactly how I'm going to do this, so I'm, I'm, I'm flying by the seat of my pants just a little bit. So I'm going to call my son-in-law, my, excuse me, my, uh, my, um, got son-in-law on the brain. Help him, Jesus. I, 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 I want to call my grandson. Can you help me for a second? So can you hold my mic for just a second to my mouth? Okay. So you have a grape. You can take this grape and you can eat it or you can crush it. Did it get you? A little bit. <laughs> you say, well, what are you going to do with that? There are secrets in the vine and there are secrets in the grape that brings about the wine. But you don't get the wine till you crush the grapes. I mean, you don't have to crush them. You can leave them alone like they are. But if you choose to crush them, by the way, you don't blend them because if you put them in the blender, 
and you let them sit, they will be like vinegar. In fact, I read it today. You ask yourself, why does wine go bad or why, what's the difference between the wine and, uh, and vinegar? Well, it's not really complicated. Bitter is caused by having too many tannins in the wine. It's a dry, woody, kind of a bitter taste. It, it, it comes out of the grapes because it comes out of the hull. The hull contains the tannins. So you really don't chop up or you really don't, uh, you don't, you don't blend the hull. You just want the juice of the grapes. I'm sorry that you all are not enjoying this. It is important that you not only that that you only crush the grapes. All you're looking to do is burst the grape skin. Anything more than that is overkill. That was written by wine growers. A lot of people do not understand this process, but Jesus really is talking about you and I. Because it takes pressure to bust the grape. Now, they, you, can, you can do this. They, used to, they made actually physical wine, um, wine presses, you know, where, you, you, know, where you, 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 you use a machine to do it. They're not nearly as effective as the original way. The original way, they would take a, a huge vat, a big vat, and at the bottom, they would have um, a, a way for the juice to run out into, into these troughs, and they would collect the juice. And they would take human beings, would grab onto the ropes ahead, and they would get in the trough, and they would, and by the way, this was absolutely fun. I know you don't know anything about this because none of you would drink anything that anybody's foot's been on. But I, I want to tell you, by the time they ferment, that's okay, the bacteria is gone. I mean, they would get in there and they would just be crushing. And I wish you could see this picture. It's an amazing picture. Actually, I put it on my notes, Kenny, but I don't know if you can get it up. You might not be able to put it up. You, 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 they're, you're jumping around like kids, grown men. And, and, and the, whatever clothes they have on, it's got all this red dye on it, and they're just jumping around. And the grapes are being crushed, and the and it's and it's and the juice is collected and then fermented on purpose. Can I tell you something? When Jesus called them to that table that day and said, I want you to drink of this fruit of the vine because it is the new covenant in my blood, he was prophesying about himself. So on one side, you get this, on one side of the picture, you get this incredible picture of, of grapes being crushed with great joy. By the way, they will be singing and joking and laughing. And this was a cultural thing when you made wine. It was amazing. In fact, you associate in the, in the New Testament, you associate joy with wine. Can I get any witnesses here? Okay, I'll just be, I'll, I'll, I'll let you be, Transparent. Has anyone ever been joyful as a result of wine? Raise your hand if you know. Shame the devils. Yes, you've been joyful. Yeah, 
It was intended to be so. And then the Bible comes back and says, too much of this turns to sorrow. See, how many of you have ever had the sorrow of too much wine? I, oh, there are more hands in it. Oh, okay, yes, amen. So when Jesus calls them together about this, it's prophetic. He's giving them a picture. I want to show you something in Luke chapter 22. He came, Jesus, when he had finished the table, he went to the Mount of Olives, he went to pray. He came out and proceeded as, he was, as was his custom to the Mount of Olives and the disciples followed him and when he had arrived in the place, he said to them, pray that you may not enter into temptation. What a word. And he withdrew from them and about a stone's throw away and he knelt down and he began to pray. This is what he said, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. I ask myself, what cup was he talking about? For in the garden there was no cup. They had already drank from the table, from that glass. But when he's talking to his father, he said, if there's any, if there's, if there's any way, take this cup from me. The cup, when you look up cup, you will, it'll blow your mind. It, the cup refers to the wrath of God. He's treading out the grapes where the grapes, he's treading where the grapes of wrath are stored. When we sing that song, glory, glory, hallelujah. And it's no joke because, in fact, let me read it for you in Revelation. Some of you think this is, it's an amazing verse. In Revelation chapter 14, it says, put in your sickle, talking to the angel, put in your sickle and gather the clusters from the vine of the earth because her grapes are ripe. So the angel swung his sickle to the earth and gathered the clusters from the vine of the earth and threw them into the great wine press of the wrath of God. And the wine press was trodden inside the city and blood came out from the wine press up to the horse's bridle for a distance of 200 miles. The picture is God the picture is the righteousness of God overcoming and payback. Look at your mother say, look at your brother say, payback is a mug. Yeah. This is one reason why you want to live right. This is one reason why when you come to the table today, you want your heart to be right. This is why you must understand that all the injustice that is going on, I promise you, God will take care of that. It is interesting how the Bible pulls together the, the wrath of God with the pressing and the crushing of the grapes. And then it says the blood ran so, when, he, when, he, when God begins to, Lord have mercy, when he begins to, to release, unleash his wrath on a world that says, I don't want you. On a world that says, mm, forget you. On a world that says, I don't care. I do what I want. 
I do it any way I want. I'll call myself whatever I want to call myself. If I'm a male, I'll call myself a female. And you better treat me like a female. If I'm a female, I'll call myself a man, and you better treat me like a man. You know, the, 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 the grapes of wrath is a real deal. God is going to have, look at your neighbor and say, God is going to have the last word. God is going to have the last word. His wrath will eventually be poured out for every baby that we flush down the toilet. He is, his, his wrath is going to be poured out. For every child that we aborted. For every crime that's been committed. God's wrath will be vindicated. His righteousness will be vindicated and his wrath will be poured out. I want you to understand that. You know, unfortunately, this is not preached about enough today. I want the body of Christ, I want you online to hear me today that God is a just God and, and, and he is an incredible loving God and his love is what keeps his wrath from coming over you. Tell you not to neighbor what I said. It's the love of God that keeps his wrath from coming over you. He loves you with an everlasting love. But he has also given us the ability to say yes or no. Receive it or not. Grapes are about joy and jubilation or grapes are about wrath and punishment. Why do you mention it today? I mention it today because Jesus, Jesus is the object of the Father's wrath. Jesus is the answer to the Father's wrath. His, his, his complete and utter destruction comes upon Jesus. It's quite amazing when he's at this table and he knows what's about to happen to him he goes into the garden, he starts praying, Lord, if there's any way to let this, this the, what is the cup? The cup is the result of every sin that has ever been committed. It is the dregs of everything that we have done against God and against ourselves. It is the epitome of retribution over every sin thought, word, or action that's ever been committed. Oh my God. So Jesus says, <laughs> he said, this is the cup of new covenant, take it and share it among yourselves. And they are drinking, you know, and they don't really get it yet. The Lord is very prophetic in this because he's he knows they're going to understand once he plays out the full drama. But he does it before time so that when the drama is finished, they will remember and they will practice. So the Lord, he's by himself, a stone's throw away, calling out to the Father. And he, he's crying with such anguish. The scriptures attempt to uh, let us understand what that is. It's very difficult in, in, in language to, to, to betray the intensity 
of what he was going through in those moments in prayer. Can will you read it for me? Maybe, maybe your heart can catch it. There's my music. Maybe you can catch it. Make, make the music commiserate to the words, yes. So he's in the garden. Are you there, saints? And he's praying. Are you still there, saints? And, and when, he, when, he, when he says, not, he says, take this cup from me. I don't want to drink this cup. Something in him, flesh. I don't want to drink this. It's the inevitable anticipate how many of you knew you're gonna get a beating and it was gonna be a good one and the, the worse than the beating was waiting to get it yeah anybody know what i'm talking about just wait you just wait right there oh lord jesus it's you and, and you or worse than that in our household wait till your daddy comes home <laughs> now some of you don't know what that is but i know what that is you have never felt anything in your life until you felt the wrath of Walter. Walter James Johnson. Jesus was in anticipation of the cup of wrath poured out. And he said, I'm going to, he told them, drink it. Take it, each of you. And here now Jesus has this. In fact, the disciples are arguing among themselves who's going to be first in the kingdom. I'm going to be first. You're going to be second in the kingdom of God and God's government. I'm going I'm I'm to be the vice, you know, the vice president, you know. Well, I'm going to be the secretary. Well, they're, they're arguing among themselves. And Jesus says to them, he says, he says, you don't know what you're asking. Do you know what you're asking, he said? Are you able to drink the cup that I'm about to drink? And they said foolishly, we are. And then Jesus said something that's astounding to me. He says, not, come on, you know the words. What does he say? What? Not my will, but what? Your will be done. Now the angel from heaven appeared to him, strengthening him. Why did the angel have to strengthen him? Because he was pouring out all the strength he had as a human being, not as God, as a human being. He is God, acting like a man. So you can be a man, a woman, acting like God. And he's, he's pouring out and the angel of the Lord comes, appears to him and begins to minister to him. And, and the Bible says in verse 44, and being in agony, he was praying very fervently and his sweat became like drops of blood falling down to the ground. What kind of pressure is that? Now you are, the, you are the Lord who has all for, for eternity have been in perfect communion with the Father. So he knows the Father. He knows the Father's anguish. He knows the Father's wrath. He knows what that is. And he realizes he's about to become the object of that thing. When he fully identifies with sin, the, the Father God it pleased, the Bible said it pleased the father to smite him. And there he, he's hanging there in the crucifixion and all of the wrath, all of the demonic entities. Can you imagine what the demons were doing? He's anticipating that in his prayer. 
And it's so much pressure until blood, his drops of sweat like blood fall from him. And I want to I close this today by speaking to those of you who are under pressure. Your, your, your Savior knows how to sustain you under pressure. He, he knows how to hold you together and keep you from coming apart when you are under extreme pressure. He demonstrated when they slapped his face. You, you know, to, to, the pressure of physical suffering without defense or without retaliation. Now, many of you have not been given that test yet because you would have failed it. He will not suffer you to be tempted above that which you're able to stand, but with every temptation he'll make a way of escape. So he haven't given you that, he haven't given you that, that temptation yet, Derek, because he knows what's going to come out if they come up to you and slap your face. Consider the fact that when Jesus was taken by the soldier, they, they slapped him, they pulled out his beard, they beat his body in front and behind, be, beyond, actually he was beat beyond recognition. And Jesus had to decide, I will not retaliate. I will not fight back. Are you there, saints? I will not defend myself. I won't stop the blows. Lord, have mercy. What is that? Well, that is what you're going to drink and eat in a moment. What is it that is about God that's able to keep you under, under pressure when your flesh wants to respond and you know you must not? Jesus is the one who's able to keep you under pressure. Are you all breathing here today? Now I want to speak to all of you that are under that kind of pressure. And the pressure is, I'm going to take this in my own hand. I'm gonna t I'll take care of this. And, and, and for you, the Lord is saying, let him take care of it while you take it. If you'll take it, he will take care of you. Tell your neighbor, if you'll take it, he'll take care of you. This is not a popular message when, because we are all taught to fend for ourselves and fight back. But there are times, and every, one of you, every one of us have been in that place where we know we had better not say a word. False witnesses accusing him. None of them were true. Every one of them was a lie. Well, how do you respond when you're in the marketplace and they lie on you to try to get you fired? I want you to drink of this cup today that God may give you the strength, his strength, to, to we use this term, to man up, to woman up under pressure. When you got to go through something, you know it's not going to be pleasant. But you know you got to go through it for the good. May God release to you the grace to go through. You know, the Father was looking at Jesus' attitude as well as his actions. It's amazing to me when Jesus, when they were taking him, Peter pulls his sword out and swings at the soldier's head. I believe Peter did like this. The sword came across, cut his ear off. Jesus said, Peter, put, put your knife up. 
Jesus reaches down, picks up the soldier's ear. Are you all hearing me? And puts it back on the man's head. He went, can you imagine the soldier going, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. Can you imagine? The father was dealing with his, his attitude as well as his actions. When he was persecuted, he blessed. When he was lied upon, he stood the test. You know what, saints? God wants to promote you, and many of you can't get the promotion yet because you have not, simply, you have not passed the test. You've tried to deliver yourself by your own mouth. I'm talking to somebody right now. You've tried to straighten it out yourself. I'm, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait, 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 wait. No, actually, you should have just shut up. That's kind of brash, but it's true. I've got to hurry. I'm way past my time. Not only does he want to help you stand under the pressure of, of, of facing something physical. Some of you, you need some changes to happen to you physically, but you won't go to the doctor because you're afraid of what you're going to be put through in order to bring healing to you. And the Lord may, can heal you instantly, but he may not choose to do that. He may choose to get healing through some other means, and that other means might be your own physical discipline. It might mean the hands of somebody else. You need the faith, and you need the strength to go through that. Some of you would be better now, today, if you just went through the rehabilitation. But you won't go through the rehabilitation because that hurt. I want you to receive and drink today what you need to go through that. I'm not talking about a miracle of taking away your pain. I'm talking about you a greater miracle of keeping you in the midst of your pain. I said, Bishop, I don't want to hear that. Hear it because many of you, you've not been healed because you've not been willing to go through. I'm talking to you online. You've not been willing to go through what God, what God demands for, for you to bring that healing about. He will heal. Sometimes he doesn't choose to take a miracle to heal. Okay, I got to hurry. Okay, you don't have to tell me if, if this is real for you or not. Just say, thank you, Jesus. What kind of pressure? The pressure of betrayal. I'm going to speak to those of you for a moment that have been betrayed by people you love. To be betrayed without criticism or rebuke is an amazing grace. And the Lord Jesus procured that for you and I. There's nothing, nothing hurts worse than betrayal. Because it hurts because you love. See, when you love and someone hurts you that loves you, you love. When they hurt you, it's even deeper because you've allowed them in your heart, in your life. You've allowed them in, you've allowed them in your trust. Are you, are you breathing? When Jesus is there praying and the angel ministers to him because he's going to have to go through more than, more than that garden. All of his disciples left him. His, his own family didn't believe him, except for his mom. Some who followed in the beginning turned on him. <laughs> Lord, help me today. He, he did not go, he didn't play the race card. Are you all there? He realized that I must suffer this. 
I'm going to speak to those of you that need it today. You need that. You need, when, you, when you drink this cup today, I want you to drink the healing of your soul from the deep pain of being betrayed. I want, I want you to allow this fruit of the vine as his blood to give you the power to heal completely so that all that's left is a little scar that doesn't hurt at all. It, the scars that remind you how able God is to bring you through. Right, with that right there, I want you to bow your head right there. Some of you need that miracle today. You've been carrying it too long. It's one of the reasons why you've not entered into a meaningful relationship because you don't want to get hurt again. It's why you haven't opened your heart to other people to let them in because you know instinctively if I let people in my heart, they also have the ability to hurt my heart. And you can stay closed off, but you can also be lonely, miserable. And I want you, in the name of Jesus, to open your heart today. Jesus knows what it is to be betrayed. Look Peter right in his eyes. And Peter said, I don't know the man. And when he saw Peter again, oh, he welcomed him. He said, Peter, you love me. Peter, you love me. Peter said, Lord, you know I do. Then, then God, then, then the Lord Jesus gives Peter his destiny. Holds nothing against him. I want you to ask the Lord right there where your, your head is bowed. I heal you from that. Whoever did that to you. That betrayal involved leaving. Lying. Some of them even loathed you after they were close to you. But I want you to release them in the name of Jesus. And when you drink this grace today, let your hearts be healed from betrayal. Look up at me. And then lastly, I want the ushers to let our help come, let the sentries come. Lastly, what I want you to do is I want you to pray about this. This is like, this, you need to, you need to I was doing this today. It, it really, it really it spoke to me differently today. Jesus, when he was hanging there on the cross, and we are to remember, Jesus said, when you eat this bread, when you drink this cup, remember my death. You know, when he was hanging there, there was a point. You remember when he was hanging there and he, and and his mouth was dry, blood is dried around him where they had beat him, and and he's, he's swollen, and and they reached down with a sponge into a container of wine, but it was sour wine. It had gall in it. Some some. Some writers say that they used it to keep the prisoners alive. It would numb the feeling of their misery and pain and keep them alive longer because the idea of the crucifixion was to keep you alive as long as possible and get you to suffer to the max without you passing out or dying. And I'm going to say this to you, my brothers and my sisters. Jesus, at one point, he comes to this place 
and he realizes that <clears throat> it's near the end and they give him this sour wine and he begins to pray in fact the Bible says he cried out with a loud voice they, they give it to us in the Hebrew Eloi, Eloi, Allah, Lama, Sabachthani. Father, Father, why have you forsaken me? When full identification came on the cross with your sin and mine, the Father, Lord have mercy. I don't even know how my mind can conceive this. The Father had to cut the tie. You ought to look up the word forsaken. It's an ugly word. When somebody leaves you, it's not, it's not just they left you. You don't matter. It's like leaving garbage. This is of no use to me anymore. It's walking away without thought of returning. The word, another word, is abandoning. Today, abandon is a legal word. Why have you abandoned me? Why have you forsaken me? Was he lying? No, he wasn't lying. For the moment, the Father had, Jesus had to suffer everything that was coming to us. Tell your neighbor, he suffered everything I should have suffered. Come on, tell him. He suffered everything I should have suffered. The Bible says, after he said, why, have, why has thou forsaken me? Then it says, then he hung his head and he gave up the ghost. He died. I thought it was kind of amazing that the last thing that he suffered was abandonment. I did find the clip, by the way. So Jesus had to suffer everything. I'm going to save the rest of it till later because we're past our time as you bow your heads I want you to ask the Lord ask him for any of these today betrayed forsaken any of these today ask the Lord to bring healing to your life and those of you that are suffering in any you're suffering from sickness you know the Lord comes to one of two things absolutely heal and remove the suffering or sustain you while you're going through it to the other side in any case it will all be resolved some of it's not resolved immediately some some has a season just like grapes when they are crushed and the and the and the and the and the, and the juices come they are fermented there's a season some of you need grace to go through that season and Father, I thank you and I praise you today in the name of your Son for making these things our possession. Thank you, Father. When we drink, when we eat, we become like you. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen.